Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through Romans chapter uh, 12. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21 is where we're going to be. You can either click to or turn to. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this, this group of Scripture. We've entitled this message, Just Be. In other words, these are the things, what Paul said, that it, the marks of a mature Christian, the marks of a mature church, uh, these are the things that, that we should be. These, these should be our culture. This should be our, uh, the culture in which we, we create as, as believers and as a, as a faith community. Um, and, and so we're going to walk through these verses over the next couple of weeks. And so, uh, I mean, we know in, in the times in which we live that a lot of companies have vision statements and they have culture statements or they have statements as far as their values or the culture they want to see or the culture they want to create. Uh, one of the first that became one of the most famous was probably Starbucks. Uh, remember when Starbucks uh, was announced that they were going to have these coffee shops and they were going to charge like $5 for a cup of coffee? Everybody said, who in the world would pay $5 for a cup of coffee? Right? Now look at them. They're, they're like everywhere. And it really is more to do with the culture in which they've created, the experience which they've created, the atmosphere which they've created, as much as the coffee. So the CEO of Starbucks recently wrote a book, The Starbucks Experience. And so this is what, I'll just quote, this is what he says in his foreword. It says, one of the ways in which we express the nature of what it means to be a Starbucks partner is through the Green Apron book. In other words, that's like their Bible. It's a pocket-sized book that puts into words some of, some of the core ways of being that you need in order to be successful at Starbucks. They are be welcoming, be genuine, be knowledgeable, be considerate, and be involved. They are simple words, and they distill everything you need to know about Starbucks and the people who work here. We each get to make a huge difference in people's lives in a million small ways. In other words, it's a culture that they want to create. And so Paul have, has his ways of being in which the culture, which who we, sh who we are, how we're known by the, in the local church and as believers. And so, so here's what Paul writes. This would be his ways of being. And we're just going to walk through this. So I'll read all the verses. We'll just look at, we'll grab some of it today and then finish it up next week. Here's what the scripture says. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and, and bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but he associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that's Paul's just be statements, just be these things statement. Jesus would say this in John chapter 13, verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, what Jesus says, the, ones, the way that people know that you're a Christ follower, a follower of Christ, is the love that you have for one another. It's not only by you calling yourself a Christian or some denominational tag that you hang on your name or some church that you attend, but Jesus says this, the way that people are going to know that you're mine, that my disciples, my followers, is if, if you love people. Now listen, i I, I, I got to be honest and just tell you, uh, these verses are not hard to preach. These verses are really not hard to understand. I mean, these verses are so ridiculously easy to preach, it, it, it's almost funny. I mean, it's just so easy. It's not hard in the preaching. It's not really hard in the hearing. What is, what, what is difficult is how to apply this. I mean, how to take these principles and actually apply them to your relationships. And I, I'm telling you, these are the most challenging verses for me in all of Scripture. I mean, when you start looking at these qualities, when you start looking at these just-be statements that, that Paul has. So verses 9 through 16 are how we relate and how we show love to, uh, to believers. And then 16 through or 17 through 21 is how do we love people outside of the church that are non-believers. And so Paul is basically asking and answering this question, how do we love? How do we love in a biblical way? And so I want to give you four of them today, and then we're going to take communion, which, be, which is so much fun, to preach towards the table uh, together as we take communion. So the first one is this, is how do we love? The first just be statement is this, just be genuine. I mean, ju- just come to the place to like you're real, to like you're genuine, or let, let your love be, be sincere. If you, if you were to take a Greek lexicon or a Greek dictionary, and you look up the word genuine, what you would get, you, the definition would be something like this. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, that our love should be genuine. Our love should be sincere. Our love should be without hypocrisy. Now listen, hypocrisy, the word uh, was used in common day language, language in the, the Greek culture. And it was used for a, a Greek actor and, or Greek actors. And so a, a Greek actor would play several different roles by same person by changing mask. In other words, the Greek actor would come out on the platform, put a, put a mask over his or her face, would act out a part. He would walk off or she would walk off into another room, come back out, same person, same actor, and put on a different mask and play a different role. In other words, they were called hypocrites because they were people that played multiple roles in life. And so what Paul is saying is do not be a hypocrite with your love. In other words, your love should be genuine. Do not wear a mask. In other words, your love has to be sincere. It has to be genuine. And that if you're ever going to be a loving Christian, if you're ever going to have a loving church, then we've got to come to the place where we take off masks and, and, and we're just honest and we're, we're just transparent. That's one of the reasons I preach in the way that I do because I believe so much of this, this principle of preaching in such a way that, that, that's transparent. I'm telling you, these verses are just difficult when you start walking through this because it says that if you're going to love genuine, then, then you have to be real. And if you're going to truly love people and have relationships, then you have to come to the place to where you, you come to the place and you're, 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 you're just yourself. See, the, the problem is, is there's so much phony love in the world. Man, we've come to think that's That's normative. I mean, we live in a world where there's like this, this phony love to where you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You take care of me, I'm going to take care of you. But if I ever disagree with you, if you ever hurt me, then, then, it, then it, is, it is like on. I mean, there's something's going to happen. I mean, in the church, for those of you that have been involved in church for any length of time, you may have heard Christians say something like this and where they'll say, I love them in the Lord, but I don't like them. 
Is that helpful? It's like you can divorce your spiritual feelings from your human feelings. Really and truly, when someone makes that statement, I love them in the Lord, but I, but I really hate their guts. Paul is saying to love someone is to like someone. Paul is saying here that, the, that this issue of phony love, this issue of a, of a love to where you're in front of someone and you put on a mask and I love you, I'm devoted to you, uh, I believe in you, I'm praying for you, brother, I'm praying for you, sister, and then all of a sudden you, you walk away and you put on another mask when you're with your friends or some of your Christian friends and you begin gossiping about them or, or maligning them or talking about them. Paul would say that's a phony love. See, Phony love exists in our culture so much that I'm afraid that a lot of times we think that's normative and we bring it into the church. One of the greatest illustrations that I have of phony love is, comes out of Karen and I's life. Uh, many years back, we, we took a cruise. And so we took a cruise, and if you know anything about a cruise, you can get a, you can get a cruise ticket pretty cheap. Uh, but what's expensive are excursions. And so we got to St. Martin, and, and their excursions were, like, really expensive, and so we didn't really want to spend that. And, and so I happened to notice when we were on the cruise that you could actually, for free, go to a, a group was going to take you to a private beach, to a private restaurant, and you could enjoy their private beach, and you can enjoy their, their, their restaurant, their food. You could spend the day there as long as you'd sit through a 90-minute presentation on a timeshare. Yeah, so we did that. I'm like, hey, I, if it's free, I can sit through any t- presentation for 90 minutes. If I get to sit, if I get to 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 be on 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 your private beach and eat your seafood, I'll do that. So we go that morning. We met a taxi there at the at the ship, and it took us across to the other side of St. Martin, and that was a scary trip all in of itself. I mean, I thought, are we really going to a timeshare? Are they going to rob us? Where are we going? And so we, we finally got to the timeshare, got the timeshare, and this husband and wife kind of ran the place, and they happened to be Americans, and he was an American, of course. And so, so he greets us, and, and so th- this man had on, he, he had more gold on than Mr. T. And so, you, you know, if you're young and you're like, who's Mr. T? Ask the Google when you get home, not now. Uh, you'll see a picture. It's a lot of gold. And so, I mean, every, every finger had, had gold rings, watches, bracelets, multiple necklaces. I mean, he had a lot of gold. And so he, he found out in talking, he found out I was, a, I was a pastor. An amazing thing, he had been a pastor one time in his life. And so he found out I, we were from Texas at one time. He was from Texas. He found out the circles I traveled in in Texas and in ministry, and all of a sudden he traveled in those circles. And so he's talking about Scripture. He's talking about church. He's talking about, and I mean, all of a sudden, we're, I mean, we're having a, a connection here. And I mean, and, and so um, we do our 90-minute presentation. We come back to the, to, the, to the point where he says, okay, so what do you want? A one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom. He said, my recommendation, you get the three-bedroom because it sounds like you guys love your family. You're going to have some grandkids, and it's better to get the three-bedroom now uh, than buy the one-bedroom and have to upgrade later. It's going to cost you just get the three-bedroom now. So what do you want me to put you down for? And so I said, we don't want anything. And he's like, what? I go, no, I'm just here to swim on your beach and eat your food. I was honest. And so all of a sudden, you know what I watched? I watched a different mask come out. And all of a sudden, it wasn't very friendly. And he was rude. He said some things, I said some things, he said some things, I said some things. And then, then we're wondering, are you guys even going to give us a taxi ride back to the ship? Because here's another problem. I didn't really plan ahead. 
Um, all we had, I didn't have a billfold, I didn't have a wallet, I didn't have any cash, I didn't have any ID. I just had the ship card that would get you back on the ship. That's all I had. And I'm like, ah, it's a long walk, and so are we even going to be able to uh, swim on your beach and eat your food? And so uh, it took a while. We did get to do all that. And then, but it took a lot of talking to get, a, get them to call us a taxi and, and get back on the ship. But it's a phony love. See, my fear is, is we've been so accustomed to that type of phony love, we bring it into the church. Because we come to believe that's, that's just, that's, that's love. That's, that's, that's how you operate. See, there's a lot of phony love out there. There's a lot of pseudo love out there. And Paul says it should never be in the local church. In other words, where it's someone that puts on a mask and they act like they're your friend and praying for you and love you and supporting you. And then whenever you do something that they disagree with, they'll put on a different mask and they'll talk about you and they'll malign you and they'll gossip about you. And Paul says it should never be in the church. fact is, now this is personal opinion, but I believe one of the worst sins in Scripture is when it says Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. It's a phony love. He betrayed him for like 30 pieces of silver. And he betrayed him with a kiss of saying, I'm with you, I'm your friend, I love you. The reason I believe that we don't love genuinely sometimes is because it's, it's difficult to love. Because to love genuinely and to bring down the walls and bring down the barriers means if I love you genuinely, you may not love me genuinely back. You may, you may hurt me. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been maligned, then it makes it, even more, it makes it even more difficult. Because to love someone genuinely is like, it's like a risk. It's, it's, like, it's like a line in a country western song. I can't believe I'm quoting this, but I am. <laughs> I never quote country and western. Anyway, you don't care. Here's a line. He says, you got to love like a broken heart doesn't matter. That's the problem. Sometimes we've been hurt. And we're afraid to love genuinely. When we're, in, we're afraid of being rejected. True love means sometimes you've you, you got you to hate some things. In other words, true love means you've got you to gotta stand against some things. I mean, Paul said in Romans 12, 9, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. In other words, sometimes true love, you've got to stand against some things. Because love without standards, listen, love without standards is like worthless. To hate or abhor in Scripture means to draw away from, means to pull away from. And so the question is, why does love hate evil? And the reason is, is because evil hurts people. And God cares deeply about people. And it hurts people, it hurts churches, it destroys them, it can damage them. If it hurts others, we ought to hate it. And there, there, some people, and we live in a world where some people says, well, if you're, you're filled, if you're filled with love, then you'll never hate anything. That it, but the Bible says that if you're, if you're filled with love, there's some things you're, you're going to hate. Um, there are some things God genuinely hates. And I know we don't talk about this much in church. We talk about the love aspect, but there's, there's some things in the Bible that God hates. Here's what he says in Proverbs 6.16. He says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and the one 
who sows discord in the brethren, a division in the brethren. God says he hates these things because it, it hurts people. There are some people who say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, this is just the way God created me. Really? Really? God created you and I to be like Christ. And if we're going to love, there are some things that we're going to dislike. Fact is, the deeper you love, the more you're going to, or the deeper you love God, the more you're going to hate the things that he hates. And so Paul follows up a negative with a positive, and he says this, hold fast to what is good. Uh, that, that literally means to be glued to, it was, it, to be wedded to, to be married to. It means like it was used in a woodworking term where the, where the craftsman would take two boards and glue them together, and you could no longer, it, they always looked like one. They were one with, one with good. And so the more that we're about good, then all of a sudden we don't, we don't have time for all the negative. We don't have time for all of the bad. In other words, we must reject sin without rejecting the, the person. And so the first thing is this. You have to let your love be genuine. The second thing is this is how do we love is just be courteous. Just come to the place to where you're courteous. I, I think we as Christians could make Christianity so much more attractive if we were just courteous and if we were just kind. There is so much unkindness in the world. There is, there is so much hate in the world. Just, just after service, just get on social media, just get on Facebook, just get on Twitter. And, and, you, and you just see it, someone railing about someone some, or something and someone mad about something to where you have to make a decision. Am I going to like the person I am five minutes after I post that? Five minutes after I say that? To where we come to the place where we're just courteous. In other words, we're aware of each other's needs. We're, we're, we're sensitive to each other's needs. Paul said in verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. And so he wedded two words together. We're going to talk about that. Outdo one another in showing honor. So, so Paul's making a play on two Greek words. It's the only place in the Bible that this is ever done. There's four different words in the Greek for love. There's a sexual love. There's a godly love that is like a sacrificial love. There's a brotherly love. And then there's a family love. And so what Paul does is he, he takes the, the two Greek words for a brotherly love and family love, puts them together and says, listen, we're family. When you're in Christ, we're baptized into the body. And guess what? Because of that, we're family. And we should be courteous. We should be courteous to, to one another. We should be aware of each other's needs. And, and so, so many times you, you don't know what someone's carrying. You don't know what someone's carrying into worship service. You don't know what someone's carrying in, in life and the burden that they're carrying. If they come in with a broken arm or a broken leg, that's easy. We see the cast. We know they're in pain. But if it's an emotional hurt, if it's, if it's something like that, we, we, we may not know that. It may not be apparent. And that's why he says we should genuinely care about them. We should genuinely love them. And we should be courteous of, of their needs. And so Paul's like, this is, this is like a family relationship. In other words, we're just both tender and affectionate to one another. And, and we love each other. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, we're willing to express appreciation for one another. We're willing to compliment one another. We're willing to affirm one another. He says, in, in, in like... Like showing honor. <coughs> Romans chapter 16, Paul writes, and it's, it's an entire chapter of the Bible that he just goes through and he lists all of the people that he wants to affirm. It helped him in his ministry. 
And he was thanking them for, their, for what they did. He was, he was, he was, he, he was courteous and, and, and he was kind. I, th- I, I think it's such a bad testimony when we're not courteous to people. Um, Saturday, I was on my way to church, and, and so I, I, I needed to grab something to eat uh, about noon. And so I, I stopped in at Popeye's Chicken over here and ordered something off the heart and healthy menu. And uh, <laughs> I'm so lying. It, it, it was fried. It was so fried. And so I picked, I was going to buy some fried chicken. And so I'm in the to-go line. And I'd made my order, and there's, there's a car in front of me, and I'm waiting, and they're, at, they're getting their order. But this man was like, in the car, was like losing his mind. He was screaming so loud at the little girl in the booth that I, I had my windows up, I had my stereo on, and I, I could hear him. And so I muted my radio and rolled down my window because I have an inquiring mind, and I wanted to know what's going on. And this little girl was being as courteous as she could to him. She was being really kind. He is losing his mind. And so finally I saw the manager come to the window. And so the little girl came out and she handed me my chicken and uh, and told me how much it was. I handed her my debit card. She goes in and she comes back. And so this man's still going. And so she comes back and I says, hey, listen, um, I know you don't know me, but I, I just want to tell you, that I'm sorry that you have to put up with stuff like that. And so she gets emotional. She says, oh, it's okay. I said, no, it's never okay. It's just never okay. And so I'm sorry you have to put up with stuff like that. And she goes, oh, she goes, oh it's really okay. He, like, comes in every Saturday at this time. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, every Saturday at this time he comes in, he brings an old ticket or a ticket he found in the parking lot. And he claims that, that we shorted him on some chicken and he wants some more chicken and we know he's lying and we know what he's saying is not true and, and so he wants chicken, he just wants free chicken. So every Saturday he comes at this time, we have the same conversation. I'm like, well, I change shifts. I mean, <laughs> or go on break, do something. If you know the time he's going to show up. And she goes, oh, you know, I, I, try, to be, I try to be nice to him. And I says, well, you know, uh, let me just tell you this. I know you're young. That is so rare in life when someone's yelling and screaming at you and accusing you of doing things that you know that you, you haven't done and they're lying and you're still courteous and you're still kind to them. I want you to know that's a real gift. And so I, I pray God blesses you. I don't, I don't know if you're a believer. I, I don't know anything about you. But I pray God would bless see, see, we could make Christianity so attractive. We just learned what it meant. Just to be courteous of people. Yeah. Jesus said not all churches are healthy. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 3, he said, he said, so, so practice and obey what they tell you. Talking about the leaders, the Bible study teachers, the leaders. But don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they preach. Can I just tell you? Many of you may have been in churches. You encountered spiritual leaders. You encountered Christians that didn't practice what they preached. And the day came when they disagreed with you. And they hurt you. They maligned you. They got a group of people against you. And you walked away from church. And you may be back in church. 
Are you saying, you know what? Never going to be hurt like that ever again. I'll go to church, I'll worship, and then I'm walking out of those doors. Because I never, never, never want to be hurt like I was hurt. I watched them put on a different mask. Let's tell you, I, I know that pain. Listen, don't throw out the truth of Scripture and what God has for you and His plan for your life because of the hateful, hurtful actions of a person that either calls himself a Christian or an ungodly Christian. They can believe the right things and teach the right things and still be wrong. Don't miss out on Jesus and what Jesus has for you because of a bad encounter with a church or a bad encounter with ungodly Christians. It's possible to be a spiritual leader and not be spiritual. It's possible to be a godly leader and not godly. See, Paul said this is why it's so critical. This is why Paul said these just be statements are so critical because in my experience, people do not walk away from churches because of Jesus. They walk away from churches because they have been hurt by a Christian or an ungodly Christian. And they have been maligned and they have been gossiped about and they have been talked about. That's why Paul says this is, this is so important, it's so, it's so critical. The third thing is this, how do we love? Just be contagious. In other words, just have this passion for Christ and this passion for following him. We should make Christianity just so contagious. You ever been around someone, they're, they're so passionate about their hobby, it makes you want to pick up their hobby? Because, I mean, it's like, I don't even think I want to do that, but I want to do that because you're so passionate about it. That's how we should make Christianity. We should be that passionate. Verse 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. In other words, what he's talking about, he's talking about in the Greek, it means to be like at the boiling point. It means to be like on fire. It means to like have this, this passion. And, and I, I think it's a bad testimony of any Christian that's not passionate for their faith. Uh, it's, it's like a lot of Christians have been like baptized in, in like lemon juice. And it's just like they just have like this sour disposition in life into where they don't have any passion. Listen, listen, the way you get enthusiasm, what Scripture says, it comes from two Greek words that simply means to be in Christ, in God. In other words, the closer the relationship that you have with him, the more passionate you are about his faith. Jesus said this about a church in, in Revelation 3.15. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. In other words, what he's saying, man, make a decision. Lukewarm Christians hurt people. That they're just enough inside of Christianity. But it really hasn't totally changed their, their, their life. That's why Paul says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve, serve the Lord. Listen, when you serve, you're not serving people. You're serving him. You're serving the Lord. And if you believe you're serving people, when people hurt you, you'll bail. And people are. And you realize that, you know what, I, I, I'm, ser I'm serving the Lord. Uh, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 is one of those verses that I just drilled into my, my family's life, my daughter's life. And, and here's what it says. He says, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. In other words, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. And remember, you're serving him. 
This, this last week, uh, Halloween, we had Trunk or Treat here. It was an amazing, phenomenal thing. It's just a community outreach we did. Uh, we had, we had 1,200 children registered uh, that, we, that were registered. We believe we had more children here than that, but 1,200 ch- children registered, 2,500 people in attendance. And uh, the story that caught the hearts and the minds of our staff was a lady that was 85 years old. And she just received a, a bad report from the doctor. She was terminal. She got her family together and said, my last dying wish is that I'd be able to trick-or-treat one last time. For whatever reason, they chose Fellowship of the Rockies. So they dressed her up in a bunny outfit and put her in a little push cart thing and, and brought her to Fellowship of the Rockies, her grandsons and granddaughters and extended families, a large group, and they pushed her from trunk to trunk to trunk. And she giggled and laughed and celebrated, told people her story. There wasn't one ministry partner that came in contact with her and that family that didn't walk home different. Because they knew they were a part of something bigger than themselves. Don't let a hurtful experience keep you from ministry and keep you from serving him. The last thing is this, is just be positive. Just be positive. In other words, as Christians, we should be the most positive people on the planet. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. The only way that we can rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation is we have to be constant in prayer. And the reason that we should be the most positive people on the planet is because we are totally and completely forgiven. We are deeply loved in Him. We are set free from the fear of death. The Holy Spirit prays for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? We should be the, I'm telling you, it's a bad testimony when we're the most negative person in the room. Because of the hope that we have in Christ, we should be the most positive people on the planet. Because of what Christ has done for us. That's why it's so important today that we observe the Lord's Supper together as a church family. Our our ushers are going to make their way to the back as they prepare the, the elements, as we get ready to take communion Uh, the Lord's Supper together as as a church family.